We're cool. good to go. <clears throat> All right. <clears throat> Here we go. All right. And welcome back to Greatest Lists. Your, uh, what, what do we, <laughs> wow. <laughs> I, I'm so used to the regular intro. I was just trying to riff. And... It never works when I riff. I need notes. Oh, anyway, all right, <clears throat> here we go. Start it over. Welcome to the Greatest List Podcast, a show about music and lists. This season, your hosts Jason and Eric are counting down the top 25 guitar solos of the 80s and the top 25 guitar solos of the 90s. Think your favorite made the list? Tune in and find out. Take it away, boys. And welcome back to Greatest Lists and a special bonus podcast for you when we've been talking about to wrap up the first half of season two. Jason here, of course, and of course, Eric is here as well. Yep. How you doing, man? I'm good. Yeah, you just went and started making lists on your own now, man. What's up? A <laughs> hundred. And you were griping about 50 the first season. <laughs> I, I don't know where that idea came from. I just decided. This is to do great. This is great for those of you listening who may not know and may not follow us on like uh, uh, YouTube now. Eric is doing a 100 albums in 100 days uh, marathon review. I guess you would say. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good description of it. Yeah. And we uh, blew up the. Retro Network's VIP lounge over there one day <laughs> when he asked us for some suggestions for albums that he might not have heard. My God, um, it was a, it was a deluge. The list, and it just floods of yeah. <laughs> albums. Yeah. I know I added something there myself. Yeah. But we're at day two, and I'm already loving the list. Uh, yeah. Public Enemy, Van Halen's 1984, which yeah. I could listen to anytime, anywhere. Yeah, today's Top album was uh, was a Grateful Dead album. Okay, so it's it's yeah, it's it's a it's a good list. It's gonna be uh, it'll be fun. I've already gotten some good feedback from people on certain albums, and so I hope I mm -hmm. hope I can uh, keep that kind of kind of interaction up. So yeah, yeah. So follow if you're on TikTok. It's uh, Eric underscore in underscore Tulsa. Yep. Right? Yep. It's his handle. So uh, find him over there on TikTok. And then I'm also uploading them to our YouTube channel, which is uh, our tag just at greatest list. Yeah. And you can follow along there. But also, if you, know, you if you fun. do, go, if you do go find me on TikTok, let me know you heard it on the on the on the podcast. Just so yeah. We'll just so we'll know who's actually listening. <laughs> you got a little bit of feedback too over there on our channel. So I, I guess I need to get you plugged in. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, yeah. Old school. Tim left a comment of, for another uh, public enemy album ah, to check out. Gotcha. So yeah, nice. very fun. Well, we are here to run through our honorable mentions for the uh, greatest guitar solos of the nineties that we went through. Yep. Uh, first, before though we get to that, before we get to that, um, couple things, couple uh, pieces of music news. The big one recently was the passing of Tina Turner. Oh man! Oh man! Yeah, that one. You know, you never can prepare yourself for uh, when these legends of yeah. music just uh, you know pass away, and um, you, 
I kind of got the same feeling when Tom Petty passed away, when Prince and David Bowie, you know, all those that were just kind of s- sudden, but not, well, so, some more sudden than uh, others. But right. you know, she was, I think, 83, which was kind of surprising to me. But um, yeah, I was surprised she was, I mean, it didn't really dawn on me that she was that old. But yeah. What were you thinking about that day after you heard the news? I mean, I've. I've I've always thought Tina Turner was just a, a force. She just I mean, I've I've loved her music ever since I ever since I heard her in the '80s with uh, her Private Dancer album. Um, and I mean, hands down, she was one of the sexiest women in rock and roll. Just that's just that's just yep. n- not even up for debate. But the uh, games. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. I mean, it's it's I'm, I'm I'm like you. It's always kind of a shock when. Even though we know that that's going to be happening more and more, just because of, you know, if <laughs> if 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 I'm in my fifties, the people I listen to are, are even older than that. So, yeah, you know, it's just, but you know, it's just when it's when it's unexpected like that, it's just kind of uh, it's kind of sad. So yeah, makes you want to just kind of celebrate their catalog. Yeah, and, which I did that rest of that day. I listened to Tina Turner. So. Yeah, I. Uh... I think the news broke around two o'clock and I remember seeing it in the afternoon and thinking, well, I'm just going to jam out on the way home from work mm-hmm. and was kind of flipping through the radio stations first. God bless local radio stations and good local radio stations who still will pause, you know, whatever they're doing, whatever pre-recorded crap that they put out nowadays. <laughs> and uh, one station, I'll give a shout out, uh, Kate FM. In Auburn, Alabama, I get him here in uh, in Montgomery, one of the greatest stations in this area. Uh, Brooke in the afternoon just paused what she was doing and just started playing Tina. Nice. And at uh, I think she started out with the hits around two o'clock, and by the time I had gotten the car, which I think was around four four thirty, there was all kinds of live cuts and uh, just songs I some I'd never heard before that she was playing. And then the five o'clock hour hit, I was just kind of pulling into the neighborhood and hit what's love got to do with it right at the top of the hour and started playing the hits again. And I, I got teary, man. Yeah. I was like, wow. Yeah. Um, just the, this whole week we were talking a little bit off the air. We've been sick here and uh, just went through a lot and that just kind of, you know, <laughs> pushed me over that, the edge. Yeah, put me over the edge at that yeah, time, yeah. and just thinking about it, I was I was really yeah. sad that she was gone. But well, XM yeah. XM wasted no time in creating a Tina Turner channel. That's, Good. I think, that I think plays for I don't know another week or so, and then like the day after, uh, Mark Goodman is on the eighties on eight from like six to ten in the morning, and he mm-hmm. he uh, was spinning some Tina and, t- and telling stories about. Uh, when he when he had the chance to meet her at the MTV studios a couple times, so yeah, see that's that's what you uh, yeah appreciate too when you have people that have the stories, they're playing the music and things are coming back, yeah, uh, and even the the local DJ here she was talking about uh, a certain Tina song can't remember which one took her back to her childhood in Chicago, she was uh, in a mall and those. Uh, you remember those dancing flowers? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you play music and they danced Bob around back and forth. Yeah. And 
yeah, she, I, I don't know if she was working at this store or just in the mall at some store, and they were playing Tina, and all the flowers were dancing, and that's what kind of came to mind. I was like, that's <laughs> oh, a that's, fun story. That's a you that's know? a fun memory. Yeah. So nice. yeah, it's good to uh, good to kind of you know reminisce, and then yeah. uh, it's good to have all that music just waiting for you. Yeah. Uh, when you need it, but yeah, that was a sad note. And then another piece of business we need to talk about is the 2023 Rock Hall inductees list that was announced here recently. Some surprising picks, in my opinion, Yeah, that uh, that came out of here. And, you know, we might as well call it the Musicians Hall of Fame at this point. I keep telling people that. There's just um, a wide range of people that aren't rock and roll necessarily. But right. anyway, so in the performer category who they they um, define this as artists who have created music whose originality, impact, and influence has changed the course of rock and roll. Their picks this time, very surprising to me, but I, I don't know. As far as originality goes, yes, uh, Kate Bush. And that was, I don't know, a little bit too much in the moment, you know, when she just... Uh, I think boom. that was, yeah, I think that was a uh, Stranger Things effect. I think. Yeah, I, I yeah. think so too. I mean, she's very talented. Some like a gr great original music. Uh, has the stage fright, so she hasn't really become mainstream or nor wanted to be. You right. know, right? Uh, discovered by David Gilmour, I believe. Mm -hmm. And um, interesting, like when when her song took off for Stranger Things, I went back and was watching some performances on YouTube and, and listening to some of her music and stuff. Cause it, it, I had heard her before, but it had been a while before I heard some of the, the songs that I had remembered and um, just a great voice, but that oh, was yeah. kind of surprising to me. Uh, I think on her maybe second nomination, second time that she's been nominated, something like that. Yeah. Uh, the one that blew me out of the water was Cheryl Crow. Um, first time that she was eligible or first time on the ballad, I, I don't know about that one being a, like a first ballad hall of famer. Yeah. I mean, you know, she's a first timer and got in and so did Missy Elliott, which right. and I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I don't mean to throw shade on either one of them, but come on. Cindy Lauper's not even in yet. She's been on the ballot. <laughs> What happened a dozen times? It took yeah. Pat Benatar as many times as she was on the ballot to get in, but I, I just, yeah, I don't. I don't understand they, that. They, I mean, I don't understand their thinking. Cheryl Crow, she's she's got some great music. Yeah, uh, I remember when she first hit with "All I Want to Do," and they that song just got played way too much, <laughs> in my opinion. Yeah, but uh, I have liked some of her stuff along the way, but. First ballad? I don't know. Yeah. Missy Elliott, very creative. Um, this was her first time, first year of eligibility, and she's in, like you said. I haven't listened to too much from her, but I remember some of the music videos back in the 90s in particular. Um, I don't know. George Michael, now this was the first time he was on a ballad, and he made it through. It surprised me more that he was. this was his first time on a ballad. That's, I agree. Yeah. And now I think, he, he, to me, he was well warranted going in. 
just a string of number one hits. Right. I mean, up there with the the most number ones of all time, like with Phil Collins and Michael Jackson. Um, you don't really know. I mean, you have to once you sit down and start counting his hits, you realize how many he has. Yeah. I mean, you you don't if you if you haven't really looked at it, it's it's surprising how many hits he had on his own. Not not with Wham. On right. his own. And so yeah, I think I mean that like I said, it's surprising this is his first time on the ballot. And then another first time on the ballot that made it in, Willie Nelson. <laughs> you, you let in Dolly, you might as well let in Willie. I mean, right? you're gonna open the gates, you might as well let both of the old timers then. <laughs> <laughs> 90 was he, was he just 90 is he 91 or 90 somewhere he's, around in he's, there yeah he's uh he's old <laughs> up there um but uh, i mean he's a country music legend yeah um he, I, I guess he's done s- some kind of crossover stuff but well when i, I was a kid he had a movie a called artist. he had a movie called honeysuckle rose and that was like a fairly fairly big hit movie wise and the song was a Bit was kind of a hit, kind of crossed over too. So he's just kind of universally known. He's like Dolly. I mean, he's just everybody knows Willie Nelson. Yeah. So. And then, uh, really, the only <laughs> rock and roll band I would say going in, Rage Against the Machine, got in. Yeah. And then the Spinners. It's such a wide range. Yeah. So that was your uh, inductee list. There's also a couple other awards they give out. Musical Influence Award, which are artists whose music and performance style have directly influenced, inspired, and evolved rock and roll music, impacting youth culture. And that's DJ Cool Herc and Link Ray. Don't know either one of those guys. I don't either. Music Excellence Award, given to artists, musicians, songwriters, and producers whose originality and influence creating music have had a dramatic impact on music. Chaka Khan yeah. is in that group. Al so, Cooper and Bernie Taupin. Bernie Taupin of... Uh, I, can't think, I can't think of the guy, Elton John. He was Elton John's writing partner for a long time. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, I got so. you. A lot of people would say there would be no Elton John if, there was, if it wasn't for Bernie Taupin. Bernie, okay. And then the Amit... Erdogan uh, uh, Award, non-performing industry professionals who've had major influence on the creative development and growth of rock and roll music and impacted youth culture. Don Cornelius. Don Cornelius. Uh, yeah. Yes. Very deserving. Yes, I think yeah. so as well. Yeah. And then the snubs. So here were the snubs that were on the ballot, did not get in. Cindy Lauper, like you mentioned, was one of them. Uh, the White Stripes. Hmm. Yeah. Um, a tribe called Quest, which I loved. A tribe called Quest back in yeah. the early '90s. Yeah. Uh, scenario. That's that song. That music video was just uh, amazing. I loved the song "Award Tour." I remember just playing that one on repeat. Very impactful in the hip hop culture. Yes. Um, here's the big ones that did not make it in: Soundgarden and Iron Maiden. Yeah. Iron Maiden's been on the ballot for several times again, and they're not in. And you're putting Cheryl Crow and you know in instead of like Iron Maiden. I mean, come well, on, people. I mean, I mean, even if you want to go further, you're putting Rage Against the Machine in, but not Iron Maiden. Yeah. I mean, or Rage not, Over. Not saying any of those people. Not saying any of those people are not deserving, but these. I mean, 
how can you snub these bands? Like, the, I mean, Soundgarden yeah. was just, they were equally as influential coming out of Seattle as any other band that came out of that, that time. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you, you know, know I, and how much, how much, um, even Chris Cornell as a, well, at, for with Audio Slave and then as a solo artist. Yeah. I know you're just, you're kind of looking at the band overall, but yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And then also didn't make it Joy Division slash New Order and Warren Zevon. Yeah. Those are some big snubs. I only know Warren Zevon for uh, Werewolves. Werewolves of London? Yeah. I hear yeah. that like every day on the local classic rock. <laughs> Do you really? Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, you know, that's the only <laughs> song I know really of Warren Zevon. So, uh, oh, you mentioned awesome. that name, I'm howling. But, uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, I, I I think the the system is they need to either rename the hall or yeah you know go back or to they also need to expose how in the, how in the world are you guys picking these people I mean what's the what's the criteria is it just who you like is it who's you know well yeah that's what was weird like I remember two or three years ago voting in their like um uh, um. Uh, audience poll or whatever online yeah. vote for your favorite and the audience vote was only like 20 25% towards that person or something so it wasn't even like uh, whoever wins the popular vote doesn't necessarily get in that's what, what kind of you know toilet paper math is that i mean it's just <laughs> toilet paper math yes it's it's messed toilet. up man it is messed up. It is. But anyway, so that's what uh, what's going in or who's going in Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and around that. So let's get on to uh, the the task at hand, which is finishing out our uh, top '90s guitar solos list with yes. our honorable mentions. And I'm going to kick things off for us. So I, there's some of these that I had written down in the the master list there. And some, I just went back and was like, there's got to be a, a solo for this band or something I can put in. Uh, I, I was thinking more towards the late 90s. I'm like, there's got to be some of these bands I listened to. I did find one. I was like, okay, I'm going to put this one on the list. But uh, speaking of Rage Against the Machine, we're going to kick things off. Start your head banging. It's Bulls on Parade. So uh, Tom Morello, of course, is the guitarist with Rage Against the Machine. And from what I can tell, all of his guitars are just modified custom guitars. He seems to use Fenders as the bass yeah. most of the time. But um, this song in particular is really what introduced me to the band and a lot of people, really, uh, from their first album. And it was my... So I'm going to paint a picture here. It was my first semester in college... And I wasn't really close with anybody in the dorm. This is my freshman year, first semester. I got stuck with the the worst roommate in the world. The guy, <laughs> okay, so you know how people have clock radios and you right. set your clock radio to your favorite radio station to wake up to in the morning. This guy would set his clock radio to some place on the AM dial where there was no station and turn it up full blast. Just be static? <laughs> Yes, yes. So I got full blast static yes. every morning when he you know, woke up for his 8 o'clock class or whatever. 
So I was, I, there was a couple guys in the dorm I befriended and then I was playing music uh, one day. I can't remember what I was playing. And the guy on the other end of the hall stopped by and said, hey, come here. I want you to hear something. And he took me down to his room on the other end of the hallway and put on this song. We're at a conservative Christian college. <laughs> and we're blasting bulls on parade. Yes. Like, what is this? This yes. is awesome. And so that was just kind of a, a memory I have surrounding this song. And just his guitar is so unique. The scratching style that he uses yeah. sometimes, particularly in this song, uh, just crazy, but kind of fits, you know, with the the rapping style that they have. And, you know, watching people, if you ever watch those reaction videos on YouTube, mm -hmm. some African-American people reacting to rock and roll music <laughs> those two are guys my favorite. Yeah. There's a couple guys and there's one guy, uh, Jamel, a.k.a. Jamal or something. He put on this song and just, he stops the music. He just kind of looks at the, the camera. He's like, you guys, this is an awesome song. Um, oh, that's awesome. Just, just a unique, very, very unique style and sound with yeah. his guitar. Yeah. What about you as far as Rage goes? Well, I've been, I discovered Rage from their first album and just, I wore that album out. And then this album, um, probably about the same but he he is that he's the master of that so that pedal he uses that makes his notes go from you know one octave to three octaves up uh -huh. does it back and forth and it's it's called a it's called a whammy pedal and um i tried using one of those one time just to see you know how he actually makes those noises he makes <laughs> and it is hard to do I'm sure uh, he's just and he, he's playing. You know, I was just trying to do one note. <laughs> he's he's playing that way. Mm -hmm. He's just uh, he's. If you've ever heard him play, just away from rage. He's a great guitar player. I mean, he's just oh, yeah. on the acoustic, just a regular electric. I, I followed him for a while on uh, TikTok, and he's just a he's just a great guitar player. He's very knowledgeable about about uh, about technical stuff as well. Um, and he's just a nice guy. If you ever hear him talk, he's got a show on on, on XM. Um, and he's just a nice guy. But uh, mm -hmm. yeah, I love the way he treats his guitar like a like a DJ scratching yeah, yeah, that yeah, kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah, he's just so unique and um, just really you know p pushed when they when they hit in the early '90s. He just pushed guitar playing in a new direction. Very much so, and uh, yeah, it's he's he's a, he's a he's a great guy, and it's it's interesting if you've listened to the Audio Slave, which I have um, on the first couple albums there. I, I don't know how many they've released or did release, but um, same you, you hear some rage in there, but he's also doing more uh, traditional, I guess you would say, stuff versus yeah this this kind of style of playing that you use particularly with rage yeah and i think it's more or less to complement chris cornell's voice and just the overall feel of the audio slave songs versus what you know they were doing with rage right and it's it's i really dig uh some of his solos 
The, the, you can sing more to those audio <laughs> slate than you can. Than you can with rage. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, so. True story. Cool stuff. All right. Well, what's your first pick? We rambled on enough here. Okay. So my first uh, mention is a song from the band Mr. Big. And this is Daddy, Brother, Lover, and Little Boy. So this song is probably the biggest travesty on the list by far. Um, because I'm a dumbass, I thought this album came out in 1989 and was poised to include a song off of it on our 80s list and realized after we made our 90s list, oh, this came out in 1991. So I I didn't get a chance to include it in our 90s list. This, But this song would have been one of my top 25 picks if I had realized that time. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the guitarist for Mr. Big is Paul Gilbert. He's one of those guitarists that came out of Shrapnel Records. Um, I think I, if, you, if you heard our, yeah. our, our, li- our earlier list, I've mentioned him a couple of times. Um, he originally played in a band called Racer X. He was originally featured in a spotlight column of Guitar Player when he was 16. Wow. Um, he, he attended the, a school in California called the Guitar Institute of Technology, or GIT, um, and he was immediately hired as an instructor after he graduated. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, I, so I have a friend from high school um, that went to GIT after a couple of years of college in, in Oklahoma. He actually went to GIT, and Paul Gilbert was one of his teachers. And he said, and later, and years later, he said, Paul Gilbert was the hardest teacher to follow because he was just way smarter than anybody else in the room. As far as it as far as it came to playing guitar mm-hmm. and guitar theory, um, so he was just he was, he was like I just he goes I did not look forward to that class because I just got <laughs> not follow along. Um, uh, so he um, you know he was in a band called Racer X before this. He has uh, fifteen solo albums on oh, his own, wow. uh, including a blues album, <laughs> a Christmas album, and a Ronnie James Dio cover album. Wow. Uh, so he's got a, you know, just got a lot of stuff out there. He's an amazing guitarist. He's just, he's just, his speed and his and his technique is just incredible. Um, but as far as this song goes, he halfway through the solo, he played the drill, much like Mr. Ed did in our number two song from the list, Pound uh-huh. King. Uh-huh. So um, he he plays a drill. I don't. I, I'm pretty sure he did it first. I think I don't remember when. Unlawful Carnal Knowledge came out. I think that was 92. Yeah, so he may have done it first before Eddie did. Um, but the first half of the solo is just equally as ridiculous. I don't know if you had a chance to listen to the song. Yeah, no, I did listen to the it. The first half of the solo is just ungodly. It's so fast, and he's just got so much speed and dexterity that it's just... And When he was in Racer X, he was very metal, very neoclassical. Like, you know, we mentioned Marty Friedman and Jason Becker in our list and how they were, you know, very classically leaning guitarists that just could play at, um, you know, light speed. He was the same way in Racer X, but when he became the guitar player for Mr. Big, he he modified his playing to be more mainstream. Mm -hmm. But he's still just uh, just an incredible guitar player. So if I, I... you know, I, this will be the one where I kick myself that I that I didn't remember what year this, this <laughs> album came out. So, I don't have much of a history with Mr. Big other than I remember Mom had the single of uh, "To Be With to You." To be with you, yeah. And they're uh, probably like Extreme, although I have 
you know, delved much more into extreme than them that were stereotyped by their hit and didn't, you know, if you went out and listened to a Mr. Big record, you'd probably be blown away. Yeah. <laughs> True story. Um, and just listening to this song, which I had not remembered, I had not remembered anybody doing the drill thing, let alone two guys, two, <laughs> two people, right? Yes. Um, I, I fired up the, uh, the video on YouTube and it says, in parentheses, the drill song. Yeah. I was like, they're using drills in this song. I, yeah. Well, sure enough. Yeah. You know, uh, I don't, I guess he was using it on the bass too or something. Yes. Uh, so the bass player is Billy Sheehan, who played for David Lee Roth on the first two David Lee Roth albums. Uh, and he plays uh, his bass with a drill too. So when you hear the drill in the song, <laughs> they're both using it. Yeah, so. and they're in the the video I watched. They're in Japan because I all right, Japan. Are yeah. you ready for some drills? <laughs> and they bust out the drills. Yes, you know, and uh, uh, it was very cool. So yeah, something yeah. I just had never been exposed to before. Yeah. So anyway, that's my second. That, that's my number. That's my first uh, honorable mention. Okay. Well, my next pick. We're staying with the mainstream here, and another snub from. Uh, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I didn't plan this actually, but um, it's Soundgarden. Oh gosh, they've been so impactful to me, uh, especially the Super Unknown album. But oh yeah, just over the over the years, once we got to uh, the time that I was working for the radio station in '94-'95, I remember, uh, and we're like a what you call like a hot AC station. So we play Chicago, but we also play a little bit heavier stuff. Well, they were playing at least for a while fell on black days. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I was like, are you kidding me? But, um, <laughs> the song that I picked, cause there's, there is some guitar solos are not too epic. This one I think is pretty epic and probably should have put it in my list. It's uh, black hole sun. <laughs> Sorry. <clears throat> so Kim Thale is the guitarist for Soundgarden. He uses mainly Guild guitars. I think the S100 for his early 90s era. Um, one of my favorite Soundgarden songs is this one. The music video was one of those like train wreck videos. <laughs> you just couldn't look away from, you know, yeah. those people with the bug eyes and there's yes. like atomic bombs going off in the background yeah. and oh man i had you know it just i had thought about it but just didn't quite make the list i guess the first time around and for some reason i didn't really you know hook into the guitar solo but there's some great left and right channel in the headphones when you're listening to this song especially at the beginning but the the solo has a lot of movement and he gets some bends in there and also some speed techniques too. And it's just a great mix, I think, for a guitar solo and hitting on the vibe of the song too. You know, it's not really a, it's just more of like a, almost like a dark ballad or dark, um, what do I want to call it? Not ballad, but anyway, it's not real in your face, right? But his the tone of his guitar and, and what he does during the solo too, I think, really matches the song itself. Um, what about you, as far as uh, the Soundgarden goes? I I've they're probably my second favorite 
band to come out of Seattle. I just, I, I loved their sound from the beginning, um, especially his guitar sound. He, he, uh, he, he gets a great tone out of those, out of those, uh, guild guitars that, mm-hmm. um, my, you know, he, I know he, he, he comes from a punk rock background because I remember, <laughs> I remember my best memory of Kim Thale is that I remember watching that interview with him and he was in a band called Bozo and the Pinheads. <laughs> they were a punk rock band. Uh, when he I didn't go that deep on his history. I, but. I think he lived in Chicago and I remember yeah. him talking about that one time when I saw an interview with him. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, he's just, he's just, he's got a very unique sound and a unique way of playing. He, he doesn't play like everybody else does. And I, yeah. I don't know, I don't know how to, how to describe it. He just much like Tom Morello. He doesn't play like everybody else. He he has a different mm-hmm. way of playing, and it just it, it it just it it sounds great. And Chris Cornell, he almost takes like vocal solos in some of those songs. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you think about Outshined, one of my favorites of theirs. There's not really a guitar solo in that, but he's he's doing all this stuff lyrically and and vocally. I guess I should say uh, during the bridge of that song, and you hear Kim playing in the background but it's him vocalizing kind of through that middle part and then yeah kicking, kicking back into that main riff there's a great right. riff in the song but there's not a not an epic solo like this one right so yeah it's it's interesting just trying to pick apart some of these bands that they're not typically uh, uh adding in solos to their hits or even many songs in their albums and just trying to pull one out, it's kind of difficult. But right. I, I, I needed to put this one in because they have they have good play. I mean, the the musicians are great. They just don't have you know they the band they were in didn't feature guitar solos like yeah. And it's yeah. it's the era too. You know, yeah. it's the alternative era. There's not a lot of solos. Exactly. That's why you know when Nuno busted out that solo in Rise this yeah. year, everybody went ape stuff over yeah. it because. They're like, where where are these solos been the last yeah, twenty years? Nobody's playing like that years. anymore. No, nobody. Exactly. So, man, yeah. it yeah. was uh, that was just on my mind because I sent you the link last night. Nuno did an interview on uh, Rick Beato's channel. It's mainly yeah. just him yakking. There's Which really is great. Too many that's questions. I want to hear that. That's so. I mean, I it's two. It's two over two players. hours. Oh, dude, that's that's probably too short. I mean, to hear <laughs> to hear that guy and talk about music and guitars and playing and just you know, I, I couldn't get enough of it. I stayed yeah. up until midnight last night, yeah, uh, watching the the interview. But yeah, I can't wait to yeah, watch. Yeah, we're just the era has has changed. It's nice that it's kind of swung back into this solo type yeah, stuff. But exactly, just not what it was, and it's probably why most of our list leans more towards the early nineties because <laughs> it's a lot of eighties carryover. Yeah, essentially, it really is. Yeah. I mean, the ones that have prominent guitar solos are just are just carryover from the 80s yeah yeah all right next one for you so my second one is from the band tesla this is a song called edison's medicine so tesla guitarist frank hannon i in my opinion he's one of the most overlooked guitar players to come out of the 80s he uh he can do it all and and what you hear him play on all their albums is what you hear him pull off live note for note nice. he's not like i'm going to take three takes of this solo and mash them all together and then you know 
muddle my way through it live. He what, what, what you hear on the albums, he plays live, note for note. I just saw them late last summer, and mm-hmm. he's just he's so fun to watch because he makes it look so easy. I mean, it's just effortless, mm-hmm. and uh, and um, much like one of the, and he he can write a great write a, a great song riff too. Like a lot of their songs just have a great hook riff behind the mm-hmm. behind the verses. Um, and so much so, I had a hard time choosing between this song and another song called Song and Emotion, because that has a tremendous riff, but doesn't have the solo work compared to this song. Mm-hmm. Um, but this song really has like uh, three, almost three solos. The, the opening solo at the beginning of the song just oh, yeah. set that... your hair on fire. <laughs> I mean, that it's was crazy. Just, it, it, it's you don't hear too many songs that start with a solo. Yeah, exactly. Right? And, and like an epic solo. Yeah, it's not just was... him. It's not just him playing. It's like he is oh, like no. to set the building. It's not a fire. riff. No. Yeah, he's, he, literally. Yeah. 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 And then, and then was... the middle when he, you know, it, he's kind of like playing off of that electricity a little bit there. Yeah. Was, well, he's playing. Insane. So he's so before he hits his middle, his solo in the middle, he's playing a theremin. I don't know if you know what, what that is. It's no. uh, OK. So you've heard. um in the original Star Trek series, in this in the um, title song, that weird I can't even describe the way it sounds. It's the like the main voice in the Star Trek theme. Okay. That it's it's a it's a it's not even an instrument. It's a radio wave. Okay. 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 I know you know, talking you know I'm talking about? about that's a theremin. Yeah. You play it by putting your hand in certain positions to break the radio wave, and then you pull your hands back and forth, and it bends the wave, and that's what makes the sound. So he's playing that <laughs> before he launches into his second solo. Now the cool thing about that is when I saw them live, he has his theremin sitting on stage. He just takes his hands off his guitar, he plays his theremin, and then comes back to his guitar like it's nothing. Hmm. So wow. does that in the middle of this song, and this and this solo in the middle of the song is just is equally as 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 combustible as the first one, mm-hmm. uh, and then he just blows you away at, at the end of the song too with another couple of sets of just ridiculous licks, um, and that's just how you play. I mean, he, he he play he can be tasteful on some of their ballads or on some of their rockers. He can just launch you into the stratosphere. Um, yeah. So that's why I that's why I picked this song. It, should, it probably should have been on the li- on the main list, but uh, I wanted to get him in here, uh, you know, because just to, uh, he trust me, he'll be on the '80s list for sure. But, uh, <laughs> but, well, yeah. and Tesla's another one of those bands too that have just kind of, you know, what is their biggest hit? Probably Signs, uh, you know, the cover love, so- love song, and Love Song, Love Song, those Signs. Yeah. So you're not getting a lot of this. You know, yeah. kind of over the top rock. Yeah. Um, if you're not really diving into their their history, and I know they go back a little bit farther than like Mr. Big and yeah. even Extreme, but um, yeah, just a victim of that really to me. Only uh, I only know the radio hits, so that this was a new song to me. Yeah. If you bought their like Love Song was on their second album. Um, if you bought that album thinking it was going to be love, <laughs> all love song, no, I mean it's a, it's a rocking album. Besides that, so I mean, yeah, I think you're right. They're they're kind mm. of a victim of what you heard on the radio, signs and love song, and uh, but they, you know, at their core, they're just a they're just a rock and roll band, and they 
can they can tear it up. And they still can. I mean, like I said, I saw them last late last summer, and they just brought the house down. Like it was. Awesome. Like, I saw them open for Def Leppard back in the '80s, and they sounded just as good last summer as they did back mm. back in the '80s. So, so yeah. Anyway, good on them. Yep. Your turn. All right. Next song. Uh, so I refer to myself as a Southern Fried Yankee. <laughs> I, uh, I've spent spent the first half of my life in rural Pennsylvania, and the second half of my life I've been here in the South, uh, in Atlanta, and then here in Montgomery. So I've got a lot of both cultures. If I go back home now, though, people just laugh at me at my quote unquote accent. Seriously, accent. That's yeah. Funny. I had a guy, we were home in uh, just a few weeks ago and we're at the car wash and the guy walks up, hey, how you doing? Everything going well? And, oh, you're from down south. Where are you from? I'm That's so funny because wow. I, can, I can tell you when I listen to you talk, I hear the north. Well, see, I've got a mix. I've got this weird mix. Yeah. So That's anyway. so funny. Um, one of my favorite southern rock bands is the black crows and i've liked them from from day one and i think this is day one for them hard to handle so the guitarist is rich robinson who is the younger brother of lead singer chris robinson yep Uh, he has a he uses a ton of different guitars from album to album it seems but i believe the guitar for this solo is a fender telecaster uh, I've just I've always loved the Black Crows. My favorite is probably Remedy, um, which I think was the next album. Yep. And I remember that being uh, I, I dubbing that one onto a uh, I don't know if it was onto a cassette or a CD in the production room at the radio station I worked for. I, I would go in the production room and grab all the CDs in the FM room and <laughs> make my own like mix CDs and and tapes. But um, this song really is what introduced them to me to the world really uh the, i didn't know for the longest time it was a cover but the solo you know it's not a, this huge epic solo but it's again one of those that you can sing along to he's got a very clean technique to it and but the reason i picked it is because of the really the end solo where he comes back in and he's playing off of chris's vocals yeah. towards the end of the song so um just uh i've always loved their sound they've got some really great uh ballads and like i said remedy and then uh what is it angel um talks oh, to angels. yeah it's so so good talks to, yeah she talks to angels yeah um Man, they just uh, they just kind of hit that southern rock vibe that I need every once in a while, you know. <laughs> but uh, nice. very fun band. And uh, what what about you? Your history with the Black Crows? Um, I I saw their very first video for uh, Jealous Again when I was a sophomore in college, and went out that day and bought the CD, mm-hmm. and just fell in love with it. It's such a great <laughs> CD. And the cool thing about Rich Robinson is he uses so many different tunings on his guitars. He didn't just tune his guitar straight like a regular guitar normally. Sometimes he does, but he uses um, a lot of different tunings. And so that's, you know, you, 
one thing I figured out was you can't learn his songs, no, you know, make them sound the same because you're not tuned the same way he is. Mm-hmm. And he's learned how to play all, you know, all those different tunings. And so that's a that's hard to do. That's that's that takes a lot of that takes a lot of concentration and talent. But uh, he's got a great, like you said, like southern rock, very almost Leonard Skinnerd feel to some of the things yeah, he plays. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that sound. He gets a great tone when he plays, and um, you know those those first two or three albums were just were just he's, he's just a great player. Yeah, the, that sound. There's there's really a fine line between like what I would call southern rock and blues. Yeah, and when they mesh together really well, you know that's when you kind of get Leonard Skinner and yeah, Thirty Eight Special and you know whatever. Yeah, exactly. But, um, Probably more Thirty Eight Special than Leonard Skinner is what I would say. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, but um, it's such a it, it's such a unique sound when you're hearing it, and that you know, being in the South, you know, the last whatever twenty some years, and listening to classic rock down here, you get just you know <laughs> smashed over the head with all kinds of Southern <laughs> rock. Yeah, and when they do it well, it's 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 good. Yeah, yeah. All right, next one for you. So the next one I picked was from the band Warrant. This is a song called Uncle Tom's Cabin. So like we mentioned just a few minutes ago, this is another 80s uh, carryover, holdover band. Mm-hmm. The guitarists in the band are Joey Allen and Eric Turner. However, if the stories that are going around are, that went around are to be believed... Uh, when they were recording their band, the band's debut album, uh, the, produ- the producer didn't like the way that either one of them played, so he brought in other people to record basically all the guitar solos that you hear on the album. Really? Yeah. Um, and the, so, a the band claims that it wasn't all the solos, and b everyone was doing it at the time, which is patently false. <laughs> um, right. Yeah. Which, in hindsight, when I, that that makes a lot of sense because when I saw them live, they could not, they were not playing what was on the album, which I, I know a lot of bands do that, but now I realize it's because they weren't playing. The <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 So fast forward to the second album, uh, Cherry Pie, which is what this album, this song is on that album. Um, and CC DeVille plays a solo on Cherry Pie. I don't know if you knew that or not. Actually, I didn't know. Yeah. CC DeVille plays a solo on Cherry Pie and the lead singer, Janie Lane, his brother, Eric Oswald, not only plays the acoustic intro for this song, but he plays the guitar solo as well. Oh wow! So um, you know, I don't. I, who knows? Who who knows who's playing what on that album? But That's I do crazy. know that Janie Lane's brother Eric plays not only the acoustic intro, which is which is a, an incredible sounding intro to begin with, um, but he also plays the solo for this song. So um, it's a very it's very frenetic. It's all over the place. It's nonstop. Mm-hmm. But it's it's it sounds really tough. I mean, it, it fits the song, excellent. Absolutely. Um, he's got four, th- three or four tasty licks in there during the verses and the outro as well. So, like you know, like I said, at this point, who knows who's playing what on those songs? But I do know because I, I read an article uh, when I was getting ready for this about him. He's actually the guy that plays the solo. Um, and this song really gets the shaft uh, because of Cherry Pie. That before that before right. he wrote Cherry Pie. The album was going to be called Uncle Tom's Cabin, and this was going to be the lead so the, the lead single. Mm-hmm. And the record company 
heard the, the album and said that they didn't hear the first single on the album. And Janie Lane went and wrote Cherry Pie in 15 minutes. And that's what this album's known for. But this is, I, I believe this is their best song with Janie Lane, bar none. I think this is, the, they reached their pinnacle when they wrote this song. It gets the shaft because it's, you know, it was the third single behind Cherry Pie. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, but uh, I do remember the song, particularly, I remember watching the music video when I went yeah. back and I, I probably had not heard this since the 90s. It had been forever since I heard this oh, song. Oh, really? But I had heard it before and wow, yeah, the solo is excellent. Whoever's doing it, <laughs> whoever's playing that's know, a really good. I honestly didn't know any all that backstory about yeah, uh yeah about warrant but um yeah that's uh it was a good pick definitely a good pick yeah all right well speaking of cc deville there you go great lead in for you right there. yes yeah you were all over these uh <laughs> segues here so next up is something to believe in by poison So, uh, yeah, C.C. DeVille, he's another who uses a lot of different guitars from what I can tell. And just from what I remember in the music videos, uh, just all over the place. But in this song, he uses this gigantic Gretsch 6120, which yeah. is nearly as big as him. It's, uh, um, he's, I'm going to say, that's, it's, it's as tall as he is, at least. It's, uh, you know... You, when you think about this guitar, when I'm looking at it, you think of like rockabilly, you think of uh, the straight cats, you know, but uh, I, let me just say off the top, I'm not the biggest poison fan, but several of their hits I really love, especially on this album, this song and unskinny bop. And I would put this song above every rose has its thorn. I think really? it's the best. Wow. Um, I know again, that one just over the top in popularity, but I, I don't know what it is. This is a great solo. Uh, another one you can sing along with. True. I love the big trail off at the end of the solo. And then you go back into that piano yeah. um, part. And he comes back in a more subtle way towards the end of the song. But it, it's so good. It just matches the song really well. Right. And great backing vocals, too, on this song. As a the song yeah. yeah. You take the high road, I'll take the low road. Yeah, I yeah. really like that a lot. Yeah. But yeah, this is my favorite Poison song by far. Interesting. And uh, CC, I don't know. I, I've i seen some things where he's gotten some crap over the years about being the worst soloist and you know, even in some guitar magazines and things like that. But I don't know if all that's warranted or not. When CC DeVille is sober, he is an incredible guitar player. The problem yeah, that's, was that's through that's most the of the 80s yeah. and the first part of the 90s, that dude was never sober. Yeah, right, right. Well, he but got kicked out of poison, right? Because of that, yeah. Memory, certainly, yeah, right. Because yeah. he was because he couldn't get his substance abuse under control. But when he is sober, he is a he is more than a decent guitar player. He's quite he's quite talented. He just it just you know didn't ever get to come out because he was just so altered most of the time. But uh, yeah, and and poison is really probably your. Uh, your number one example of a of a band or genre, maybe even of music, that just got trampled yeah. by the Seattle sound. And oh grunge. yeah, yeah. Like after people got hooked on grunge, there was no going back to Poison. Even a lot of these no. '80s carryovers. It's yeah. probably why some of these I didn't even bother going back and exploring at the time. But um, 
yeah, I just feel like Poison just got the boot to the face from Kurt Cobain and all the yeah. people coming out of Seattle, yeah. and they just could not recover in yeah. popularity. I mean, I mean, you know, it's, you know, the band that we just talked about, Warrant, I remember Janie Lane saying um, when they were putting out the album after Cherry Pie, he went to the record he went to the record company, and when he got off the, off the elevator, there was a big banner hanging in the hallway outside the elevator for uh, Nirvana. He's, and he said, I remember thinking to myself, it's over. <laughs> this is it. Yeah. yeah, this is it. It's over. And and he was right. I mean, you know, it just. Absolutely. Those kind of bands just could not recover from that or compete. Right. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, the early 90s, like 90, 91, I think this was around this when this song came out. Yeah. Um, they're the open up and say, ah, I think was 87 or 88, somewhere in there. So yeah. they're. They're right towards the end of the '80s, early '90s. They were one of the top bands out oh, there, yeah. um, filling up stadiums everywhere. For sure, yeah, yeah. So, all right, well, uh, on to the next uh, casualty of alternative music. <laughs> <laughs> so, my next pick is from the band Great White again, another '80s carryover. Great White and a song called "Call It Rock and Roll." So the guitarist for this band, Mark Kendall, has always been one of my favorite guitar players from the '80s, um, especially on the on the Great White album "Once Bitten." Um, he's really blues oriented. He has a lot of great blues licks that he throws in the songs. He can write. He's he's kind of like Frank Hannon. He can he can write uh, some pretty tasty riffs to write songs to. Um, and for this song, "Call It Rock and Roll," there are actually two versions of it. There's, the original is on their 91 album called Hooked. Mm-hmm. And then there's a slightly different version on their 1998 Greatest Hits album. And that one's my, probably my favorite. It's a little more raw. And it's a little more, it sounds a little more, less produced and more alive. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he, Kendall still takes the same number of guitar breaks in both songs. I think there's five, uh, four or five solos in this song um, that he takes. And they're both versions. Um, it's just your the, the song is just your basic 12 bar blues progression which for a guitar player that is the easiest and the most fun <laughs> to play over because mm-hmm. you know you know where every chord's gonna be next and it's just easy to it's just easy to play and riff over it so uh, and mark definitely knows how to do that he that's that's his that's his thing and he sits in that in that in that arena very nicely and uh, and uh, can play that kind of stuff and so um, this has got, like I said, four or five, four solos that I can remember. And, <laughs> he, and he just, you know, takes off every time it's, it's his turn to play. He just fills it <laughs> from beginning to end. And, uh, it's just smooth, just smooth blues uh-huh. riffs and, and soloing. Just, I love that sound. It's not quite Southern rock, but it's, it's very bluesy rock and roll. And I just, yeah, I yeah. love that sound. Um, what about you? Have you have you heard I, any any great white? I mean, obviously everybody knows one spent twice, twice shy. Twice shy, yeah. Uh, and the music video. Uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I they they have a unique sound. Even it's all they're almost in between genres. I, I will agree yeah. with that. And um, yeah, so they're we we've covered a lot of different 
just styles and everything. We, the only thing I think we haven't covered is why didn't one of us pick Jackal's lumberjack you know, and have like a chainsaw in there? <laughs> I don't even recognize that band. I don't even. I don't even. But uh, anyway, Great White, yeah, they're a very fun band, and yeah, I went back and I was watching uh, a live version of this song. Yeah on youtube and i was like wow yeah that one very very well deserved yeah all right well i've got one more and you've got one more yep. and this one i did uh like i said i was uh hunting around the end of the 90s since we were so uh, top heavy on this list <laughs> we kind of were <laughs> um i did find one that uh, i thought was was warranted for an honorable mention and that comes from the band the band fuel and the song is called Sunburn. So Carl Bell is the guitarist and the main songwriter for Fuel. Uh, wrote this song, wrote the hits Shimmer, Bittersweet, and Hemorrhage in My Hands, which was a huge hit in 99. Uh, Carl is all about the Gibsons, the Les Paul, the Standard Models. Yep. He also has some PRS guitars. But I was a huge fan of the band when they hit in 99, this debut album, the Sunburn album. Uh, one of my roommates in college, the one at the time, he loved them too. I remember one instance in particular when his girlfriend came into town and the three of us drove to a hockey game in Greenville, South Carolina from our college there in Northeast Georgia. And just this album was blaring the whole entire trip. Uh, <laughs> I had, and for some reason, I had just not remembered the song and the solo when we were, you know, originally making the list. And you know, most of the the solos from the the hits are great, but they're shorter from Fuel. And yeah. this one is one of the longer ones I remember. And I just love it's almost in two parts. He starts out kind of subtle, just more traditional picking, I would say. And then you get the hey. That, hey from brett scallions the lead yes. singer and he just brings the power with the some great bends in there and the outro solo too under the vocals is really awesome and this song really it's i don't know if it's my favorite fuel but it's definitely like a 24 7 song for me i could play it anytime anywhere and just put it on repeat it's so good brett's vocals are so amazing and i don't see how he's just destroyed his voice over the years <laughs> Because he's, he's got that, he's got that real scratchiness to it. Yeah. And I love it when he sings high, but then when he's down low, you hear that scratchiness and just shines even more on like the slower paced songs like this one, more than just hemorrhage where he's just all up in your face with that song. But, uh, fuel is just one of those bands that hit me real hard. The first two albums in particular, the first one that came out in 99. And I think the next one was either that next year or two years later. Um, just really good stuff. What about you? Are you any history with fuel? Uh, I do. Um, I don't, I don't know which album it's on, but, uh, there's a song called, uh, knives that, uh, that's probably my favorite, my favorite fuel song, um, uh, that and bad and bad day. Is that what it's called? Bad day. Uh, yes. Bad yes. Day again. Yeah. 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 Um, that, I've, you know, I've heard some of their stuff, but I haven't heard a whole lot of it. Um, probably my biggest connection to Fuel is uh, when their vocalist, Brett Scallion, left the band. 
Mm-hmm. A friend of my sister's sent in a demo tape to the band. Really? To try out, and they flew him out to try to out audition. for the, to audition for the band. Yeah, and it came down. I think if I remember the story right, it came down between him and Chris Daughtry of American Idol fame. Right. Um, and Daughtry. My, and I think Daughtry, he ended up being their singer for a while, right? For a while. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but it came down to them. So, um, that's my biggest connection to them. I don't, I don't have a whole lot of, uh, of history with with their with with, with Carl Bell. Um, so yeah, he, well, he um, he's the main songwriter. So I think there was some um, stuff going on there between, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of the members of the band where they felt like it was more him and he wasn't including them. So they've broken up, added people uh, over the years. Gotcha, they okay. got back together. And then I think he finally split ways just kind of in recent years. Right. In the last couple of years. But uh, right. huh. yeah, I, I don't know. It's just one of those bands. They're, uh, they're a, uh, they're from Pennsylvania. So uh, for what that's worth, you know, I was like, Oh but yeah. You, they're, they're but cool. you know, it's yeah. them when you hear it. I mean, you know, but yeah, yeah. You yeah, hear yeah. a song and you go, Oh, well that's fuel. I mean, you know, yeah, I mean, no, and that's 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 part of it too. They yeah. they have a distinct sound. Yeah, and his guitar work, some of the effects and stuff, particularly on this song at the beginning, um, on the rhythm guitar, is really cool. And they they do have their own unique sound. And you know, with Brett's voice, it's just wow. It can be real, real in your face and powerful. Yeah. And then this one is just kind of yeah. yeah. This one is just a. Uh, more melodic and oh man it's just such a great song yeah all right well what's your uh final pick our final our- pick this is from a guy uh, a guy named michael lee firkins and it's uh it's a it's a song titled sanford and son so this song is on his night is on michael lee firkins. What, what is this song man <laughs> I was like, this this is the actual theme, and yeah. oh, by God, he busts into it. <laughs> I know, that's my favorite part. Oh, so my God. This is on his 1996 album, Cactus Cruise. Um, <laughs> he originally started on Shrapnel Records as well. We've mentioned it, you know, we've mentioned okay. it several times. And that's how I discovered him. I bought his, I bought his very first uh, tape. Uh, didn't even know who he was. I just saw it on, on in the magazine and bought it, and that's how I discovered this guy. Um he incorporates a lot of bluegrass and country licks into his playing, even though he's classified as rock. Um, so he has a very distinctive sound. Mm-hmm. And I guess his, what you would call his signature move is he can make his, he can make his playing sound like he's playing a lap steel or a slide guitar just by using his tremolo bar. Um, and I can't mm-hmm. even describe how he does it. And I've seen him last time live in the early nineties and I've watched him do it and I could still couldn't figure out what he was doing. <laughs> um, but he's played Yamaha Pacifica guitar since he started. But he really hasn't done much in the past 10 years. Um, he's just been kind of silent. He hasn't even played live anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, he had three songs in, or three albums in the early 90s. I could have picked from. I mean, there's just, you know, just about every song on every one of those albums is just amazing. But this is one of my favorites simply because it, it, it transforms into the Sanford and Son theme. <laughs> I don't know why I like oh, that. Gosh. I just do. It's just... He just starts playing it. Wah, 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 wah. I just love that. Yeah. Um, well, and you, you, it starts out like a just the 
an original just, song. Just I was an like, instrumental, oh, okay. yeah. I thought this was going to be the, the theme, you know, and yeah. uh, listening to it, I was like, this is pretty cool, you know, for an instrumental. And <laughs> he busts into it, and oh, that's, yeah. that show, I have very fond memories of staying <laughs> I up do too. late night with my Graham at her house when I'd have stay, uh, yes. sleepovers. Yeah. And she would, we would watch all the old sitcoms yes safer and son was a favorite of ours and yeah. hearing that hearing that song that's probably why I like, my uncle and my, oh, my grandpa used to watch Sanford the son all the time so that's just i probably i just it just you know it's just it just triggers a great memory in my mind so i've always loved this song and i know you're not into the instrumental songs like i mean we talked about that in the, in the yeah but if you're listening or even if you're, if you're interested this album cactus cruise and his self-titled debut. They're just phenomenal. He's just, a, like I said, he's got a very unique sound because he plays a lot of bluegrass and country licks while he's playing rock, you know, mm-hmm. to, to a, a rock track. Um, so they're just they're just uh, phenomenal albums. Yeah. Uh, I would my, say this is more of a novelty kind oh, of yeah. thing than anything. This one is, yeah. This is why I didn't, yeah, I didn't mind the <laughs> sitting through the instrumental my, to hear uh, that. My big connection to Michael E. Ferguson is this, and I'll tell the story really quick and, and we'll be done. Um, several years ago, five, five or six years ago, I was trying to put a band together here in town. Uh, and I actually put a, uh, <laughs> I put an ad on Craigslist looking for other, other, uh, uh, musicians or whatever. And mm-hmm. I met this guy, uh, named Steve. And we got together one night for drinks just to talk about music and, you know, what, either, what each of us were trying to, trying to, you know, do or wanted to do. And um, he was a guitar player and a singer, and and we were talking. And he goes, "So, you know, who are some of your who are some of your favorite guitar players?" And I said, and I named some people off. I said, I said, really, one one guy that I like that I just I I can't play like him, but I just I just am enamored with his playing is Michael Lee Ferkins. And he goes, Michael Lee Ferkins. And I said, Yeah. He goes, Hang on, hang on a minute. And he pulled his phone out, and he he pulls up his contacts, and he's got a a Mike Ferkins in his contacts. And he goes, <laughs> hang on a minute. And he, he pushes the, the, the call button. He like, he calls this guy named Mike Ferkins. <laughs> and on the other end of the phone, this guy goes, Hey, what's up? And he goes, Hey Mike, I got a guy here that thinks he knows who you are. And, he, <laughs> and Michael Lee Ferkins goes, Oh yeah. And literally he grew, he grew up with Michael Lee Ferkins. Oh, that's crazy. <laughs> Name dropping him was just like <laughs> the greatest thing in the world. Yeah. And so that's just, he, he called, he, so he just called up Michael Lee Ferkins and we had a, like on speakerphone, we had a conversation for like 15 minutes and that was it. But, um, but cool. beyond that, yeah, he's a great guitar player. And if you, if you want something to listen to, like in the background that you don't have to listen to lyrics, but you can you know hear music, his first two albums are just are phenomenal. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, you you got some connections over there. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> it's all about who you know. All about it. All right. Well, that's our uh, '90s, uh, our favorite '90s guitar solos honorable mentions list. We're going to put a cap on the '90s for now, and we are traveling back in time, going to go back to the '80s, and somehow pick our favorite guitar <laughs> solos. Um, you know, just to be honest with the listeners, I've got some songs dwindled down. Most are in my head. I have not put uh, thought to paper yet mm-hmm. on uh, some of these, but um, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be interesting. I don't know how we're going to do this if we're going to 
we might have to put like a list of I don't know 20 songs together and then see what what's kind of similar on both of our lists before yeah. we I've got a I've got down, a playlist but... of about 20 songs right now that are candidates so we probably need to start yeah. we probably started need we need to start comparing notes and lists yeah yeah before too long here but yeah. I think I was telling the other day as long as we get started by uh, early August then uh, <laughs> we'll hit our We'll hit our stride, as, you know. Yeah, first week of November we'll be done yeah, and yeah. can take the uh, holidays off, which was kind of our is, goal last year. Which but... is probably going to take us between now and August to make a list. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> we got a couple of months yet, and you know, maybe we want to do uh, some uh, other album reviews or something in the meantime. We can always yeah. uh, throw up a couple more kind of bonus episodes, you know, in the meantime. But. Yep. We'll see how it goes, but we'll definitely be back, you know, at, Soon. at latest, you know, Soon-ish. August, the uh, second week of August. <laughs> <laughs> That's our drop dead date. All right. Well, we appreciate everybody listening. Of course, you can find us over there on Twitter at Greatest Lists. Our whole archive of podcasts is on GreatestListsPodcast.com. And you can go to the little subscribe page on that website and connect with your favorite uh, podcast app if you haven't already but uh man this is fun this is uh, great to hash out some more songs and mm-hmm. talk to you for a little bit longer than 15 minutes or 20 <laughs> minutes i'm sure people uh, are like kind this, this episode's forever this long. is going on forever man <laughs> what are these guys doing but uh yeah really enjoyed the first half of the season and cannot wait for the second half man it's gonna be yeah, a fun me ride too. yeah All right, everybody. Everybody take care out there, and we'll see you soon. You've been listening to The Greatest Lists.